This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Don't you love how Dan tried to slide under the radar? Let's say happy birthday to Dan, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't always celebrate everybody's birthday, but every once in a while it's just fun. So um, my name is Ron. I'm the lead pastor at New Life, and I want to welcome you. I'm going to be teaching us a little bit later. But right now I want to talk to you about something. So would you pick up this flyer that's on a seat next to you or was on your chair? Uh, This is sort of the the official beginning of the holiday season. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. We've got Christmas coming up. And there's a wonderful thing about this season. And that is Jesus tends to touch our lives in ways that make us generous. And it's during this season that we like to find causes that we can give to. And as a a church leadership, rather than have you being hit up all the time by all these wonderful, worthy causes, and there are so many of them, uh, we took the time to sort of distill out a handful of causes that as a church, we'd like to invite us to join in, and we've just called it Season of Giving. So let me walk us through this so you have a little background. If you'll open it up at the top left, it says Thanksgiving Challenge 2022. And if you look at the little graphic, it says Feed the 5,000. Okay? Uh, For those of you that are new to our church, we've been doing this thing 18 years And it just grows and grows and grows. And we used to call it a turkey challenge. And then we called it the two-ton turkey challenge. And then we outgrew that. And back in the day, we used to go get frozen turkeys. And we'd have big containers in the lobby. And we would fill them with frozen turkeys and take them up to Redwood Gospel Mission. And we started running Target and Safeway out of frozen turkeys. They go, whoa. We had like 20 turkeys in here, and they're all gone in like a half hour, of course. New life came, and we took all their turkeys because we were buying hundreds of turkeys. And then a couple of years ago, we got the brilliant idea of doing this online. And uh, last year, this church on Thanksgiving and on Christmas, this church provided meals for 4,042 people in our county. How about that? That's such a huge deal. Now listen, it's $2.02 a meal, okay? Where can you get a turkey dinner, full turkey dinner for $2.02? Only at Redwood Gospel Mission at the Great Thanksgiving Challenge. So here's the deal. Jesus fed the 5,000. I read about that one time, didn't you? Well, if Jesus fed the 5,000, let's be like him. Let's feed the 5,000. Are you up for that? Yeah, that's a big challenge. Okay, so here's the deal. That's more people than RGM feeds on Thanksgiving. And they contacted us and said, look, if you're going to feed the 5,000, you got to expand it to include Christmas as well as Thanksgiving because 
none of the other churches have anything to do if you provide all the food for Thanksgiving. So we are providing hopefully 5,000 meals between Thanksgiving and Christmas. All right? If you want to be part of that, there's a QR code there that you can just pull up and you can use it to donate or you can go. We got a booth out there. Um, Operation Christmas Child. These are shoe boxes we fill with gifts that go to children all around the world. They get the gospel presented to them. They get invited to a gospel class. They hear about Jesus, many of them for the very first time. And there are children all over the world who are finding their way to Jesus because somebody put some gifts in a shoebox and sent it to them. We have a table out there. You can be part of that. We're, we're doing new socks and underwear. Nobody wants used socks and used underwear. <laughs> you got that, right? So we're doing new socks and new underwear. And just so that you don't go out and buy a whole bunch of socks that nobody can use, uh, we're going to do it. You donate the money and the wonderful people, it's actually Max Dreyer, uh, who's going to go out and buy the right kind of socks and the right kind of underwear for the homeless people in our county. Does that sound like a good deal? All right. Yes, that's a great deal. We're, we're going to donate uh, coats and sweaters uh, and hats and vests and jackets. And there's a barrel out there. And those don't have to be new. Uh, they'll be cleaned and then they'll be given to our friends who are in need, whether they're homeless or not. There are many people who are in need that are not homeless. And so Redwood Gospel Mission will get that all distributed to them, as well as we distribute some of that right here at New Life in our nomadic shelter, which is a thing for another day. And then finally, in June, we're going to go back down to Mexico and we're going to build at least one house and maybe two. We've built probably 20 houses down there for families and we want to get a head start on that. So when you walk out in the lobby, you'll see a Christmas tree. It's got tags on there. You can take a tag off the Christmas tree. There's $5 tags, $10 tags, $20 tags, $50, $100. And if God's really blessed you, there's a couple $500 tags. Okay? Uh, so uh, let's be a generous people this Christmas season. Are you on board with that? You didn't applaud. Are you on board with that? Yes, let's be a generous people this Christmas. Now listen, we have a very special service this morning. Our worship band has put hours of time into it, and in particular, Darby. So when you see her afterwards, you thank her for this. But we're going to try something new. We're going to take you on a journey this morning. And instead of doing a whole section of musical worship and then a whole section of teaching... We're going to intersperse it, and it's all going to be related together. Are you up for that? So I want to tell you, every time the band begins to play, we don't want you to stand up and then sit down and then stand up and sit down. Uh, this is not calisthenics. This is, this, this is church, all right? So feel free to sit. And the song that we are interweaving between these sections of teaching is a brand new song. So please, you don't even need to feel like you need to sing it. But at a minimum, take the time to let the lyrics settle over you. So this is not just a segment of music and then a segment of worship, of, of teaching. 
and a segment of, of music again. Let this be a wonderful experience where you let your soul and your spirit be taken on a journey because the whole idea that we're going to talk about is this thing called thriving. And what I'm going to be teaching you this morning and over the next three Sundays after this is actually designed to be a class that we will teach regularly in our church. And we'll invite everyone who's new to our church to come to this class because if there's anything at the heart of our church, it's we believe that Jesus came so that we could thrive in this life. He said it like this, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So there are some things that we as a church do and need to do that enable us to thrive. And then there are some things that you and I need to do individually to help our own faith thrive. So this is the beginning of that class. Rather than say to all of you, go back and take that class, I'm just going to teach you through it on Sunday mornings. And then when your friends come to church, you can say, you should take Thrive because it's such a great class for how life is supposed to work. The song is your mercies are new every morning. And so we're going to begin with a worship band taking us through the beginning of that song. Welcome to the journey. God made earth creatures in a vast variety of species, wild animals, domesticated animals of all sizes, small creeping creatures, each able to reproduce its own kind. God saw that his new creation was beautiful and good, and God paused. Now, let us conceive a new creation, humanity, made in our image, fashioned according to our likeness. Let us grant them authority over all the earth, the fish in the sea birds in the sky, the domesticated animals, and the small creeping creatures on the earth. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image, created them male and female. Then God blessed them and gave them this directive. Be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth. I make you trustees of my estate. So care for my creation and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that roams across the face of the earth. I don't know if you know it. That was a big idea. Not just on earth. That was a big idea in heaven. From what we can tell, in all of eternity, God had never created a creature in his own image. He had made angels 
and all kinds of heavenly beings, but never a creature that was created in his own image. Never a creature that had the ability to connect with him so personally. Do you remember, those of you who are parents, the first time you held a child, any of your children? Do you remember the bond that took place in that moment? And you look down at that face and you realized this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's a creature created in your image. And when God formed Adam and Eve, and when God formed you and me, he looks at us and he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. They have been created in my image. In Genesis chapter 1, which is where that passage came from, and Genesis chapter 2, we learn two really important things. The first is the, the one I just illustrated to you that we've been born and made in the image of God. The second is in those two chapters, God lays out for us life at its basic level. And you know what? It hasn't changed. We have changed it, but life at its basic level hasn't changed. And in those two chapters, God lays out the three basic purposes for which he made us. And they're up on the screen. Number one is so that you and I could walk with him. You are a human being, not a turtle. I know that's not a huge revelation. But one of the primary differences between you and turtles is turtles go out on the sand somewhere, lay an egg, walk away, and they never relate to Turtle Jr. The dude cracks his shell and has to figure it out on his own. But you, my friend, were not hatched to figure it out on your own. You were made to walk through this life with God. And if you're going to thrive, you have to begin to build your life around that reality. Secondly, you were created to partner with others. <laughs> Every time I read that, I think of that old poem, which is so true. Here it is. To dwell above with those we love. Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with those we know, well, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. It's got its challenges, but we were created to actually partner with those around us. And thirdly, we were created to manage God's world. Now, it strikes me, if, if I don't walk with God and I don't partner with others, I'll probably do a terrible job of managing the world. What do you think? Yeah, yeah it'll fall apart. Yeah. So that was God's big idea. And you would think, those three don't look that hard. 
doesn't seem like it's that hard to walk with God. doesn't seem like it's that hard to partner with others. And it kind of makes sense that we should manage this world that God has made for us. But we have a problem. And the problem is that our way, 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 way back there ancestor decided to sin instead of walk with God. And when Adam and Eve decided to sin, they invited sin into their world. And sin brought with it a terrible brokenness that they passed on to all their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, including you and me. And Dan talked about it this morning. I'm going to come back to it in a little bit, but there's the, there are these three things that are the heartbeat of God and the heartbeat of Jesus. They're also the heartbeat of our church. And the first is everybody's love, but the second one is nobody's perfect. And if you're doubting if that's true, just ask anybody who knows you. Yeah. None of us is. We messed it up pretty good. And so here's how Paul writes about the human condition that you and I find ourselves in. There's no one who always does what is right. No, not even how many? One. Wow. There's no one with true spiritual insight, and there's no one who seeks after God alone. All have deliberately wandered from God's ways. You see, all have sinned, and all their futile attempts to reach God in His glory fail. Wow. Here we learn three other really important truths. And by the way, what I'm giving us is what I would call a meta-narrative of human history. If you pull way up and you get the bird's eye view, there's the big idea that God had. I'm going to make people in my image. It's going to be wonderful. There's Adam and Eve choosing to sin and messing it all up. And we're going to walk through how that works out. But here's what we learn, these three truths. Number one, on our own, we couldn't find our way to God. That's true in so many ways because we ended up with this narrative about God that he's a distant, demanding deity that you don't dare get on the bad side of. Anybody ever go to a church where that's sort of how it was preached? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I remember singing as a kid the song, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. I remember as a kindergarten kid thinking there's a throne in heaven that God sits on it and he's one giant eyeball. <laughs> and you know, good paintings, wherever you go, it looks like their, their eyes are following you, right? As a kid, that's how I had to figure it out. Wherever I went, that eyeball just pivoted and went with me wherever I went. Yeah. And we made all these attempts to try to find our way to God. We couldn't do it. Secondly, we found out we had a sin problem and sin came with its ugly brother. You know who that is? Guilt. And we had a big problem. Not only do I feel guilty about sin, I keep doing it. Then it makes me feel more guilty. And the truth is, we needed some divine 
intervention. Fortunately for us, that's not where the story ends. God decided that he would write a beautiful new ending to the story that we were pretty much wrecking. Listen as the song describes it. Fortunately for us, as I said, God chose to write a beautiful new ending. I call it the heavenly solution, okay? We had the big idea, we had the worldwide problem, and here's the heavenly solution. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. Isn't that crazy? God gives. He doesn't demand righteousness from us. He gives his righteousness away. He goes on to say his gift of love and favor now cascades over us all because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, the punishment, and the power of sin. Let's read another description of it in a different place in Scripture. Paul says, now that you have welcomed the anointed one, Jesus, the Lord, into your lives, continue to journey with him. Remember that first purpose in life, to walk with God? Paul's bringing us all the way back to that. Keep that in mind as you continue your journey with him and allow him to shape your lives. Would you read that phrase with me? out loud together. Ready? And allow him to shape your lives. Man, that's beautiful. He goes on to say, let your roots grow down deeply in him and let him build you up on a firm foundation. You are being completed in him. And who's him? The one who has dominion over all authority. There are three beautiful word pictures in that one scripture. Okay? And the word picture, the first one is this whole idea of letting our roots, and Gus, let's go back to that slide, letting our roots grow. Well, the first is that he would shape us. So we have the word picture of a sculptor And I want you to think of a sculptor who takes um, a fresh lump of modeling clay and begins to shape and give form to something. And that something is you and me. Let God shape your life. By the way, I would tell you what he makes of it will be infinitely better than anything you could make of it. He's just a better sculptor. The second picture is that of a plant. And he says, every thriving plant has roots that go down and take hold of sources of nutrients and sources of water. 
that enables that plant to grow and to thrive. And so Paul says, let your roots grow deeply into Jesus. That's part of that journey with him. So that you can be rooted in him. And then the third picture we have is this idea of a building that's being built on a firm foundation. And if you think of your life as a building, God wants to build your life on something so solid that nothing that happens to you in this life can ever shake it. It's a firm foundation. Now, all of that is referring to something that we have been calling recently the way of Jesus or the kingdom of Jesus. It's all the same. Because in the kingdom of Jesus, the people in the kingdom are living out the way of Jesus. That makes sense, right? Yeah, and we're learning a lot about that way. And we're going to find out that in the kingdom of Jesus, there's sort of two different segments that are in it. Now, probably many of us in our audience have struggled with what we call organized religion. Have you ever struggled with that? Yeah, probably most of us have. And the problem is, we may have tended to throw it out. Now, to be sure, there are things that have been done by organized religion that should be thrown out, okay? I get that. But there are things. By the way, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And when he said, I'm going to build my church, he was talking about the organization or the organism called the church. And there are things that the church, a healthy church, a Jesus-centered church is supposed to be supplying for the people who become part of it. And we're going to take a look briefly this morning at what those things are. And the first is the church is supposed to supply a mission focus. And this is New Life's mission focus up here, to help people discover and experience life in Jesus by loving them the way Jesus loves us all. That actually is our mission statement. Now, if you look at that mission statement, that should be able to be said of every church. Am I right? That's what the church is supposed to be about. So I want to throw an additional descriptor onto that. Okay? Because from the very beginning, New Life has been a church that God has called on this mission to reach what we might call de-churched or unchurched people. What do I mean by de-churched people? De-churched people are people who have been in the church, but something happened and they exited and never came back. Okay? I know a bunch of you in our audience this morning that when you first started coming to New Life, you were de-churched. I remember a lady walking into church one day and 
I won't tell you her whole backstory, but it was awful. And she said to me, by the time I was 16, I figured I had been to church enough for the rest of my life. Done. And through this church, God reignited her faith. And she ended up with a wonderful walk with God that still gives shape to her life today, 25 years later. Yeah, that's a great story, isn't it? She was de-churched. Some of us are unchurched. We have no church background. It's okay. That's fine. A friend of mine was at a sidewalk sale the other day, and he wanted to buy some jewelry for his uh, teenage daughter, and he, he found a little gold cross on a necklace chain, and he was looking at it, and the guy behind the table said, oh, you like that? He said, yeah, I kind of do. And he said, well, if you like that, we got one over here. It's got a little guy on it. I'm guessing he was unchurched. What do you think? <laughs> Clueless. You know what? With all of my heart, I wish that guy could come here. He would learn about that little guy. And he would find out that little guy changed the world. And that little guy loves him. And that little guy could shape his life. Yeah. That's our mission statement. Here's our heartbeat statement. Dan already walked us through. Thank you, Dan, for teaching. I appreciate that very much. All right. We have, these are things that Jesus seemed to, they just beat in the chest of Jesus as he worked with people and they beat in our chest. And that is, Everybody's loved. We don't care who you are. We're going to love you. We don't care what you've done. We don't care what you look like. We don't care anything uh, about your background. We don't care what your ethnicity is. We don't, we don't care what your experiences have been. It, it doesn't make any difference. You've been created in the image of God, no matter how tarnished or broken that might be. And we're going to love you as a fellow human being who was created in the image of God. Are you on board with that? Yeah. Everyone is loved. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. None of us. To the best of my knowledge, no one in our audience, no one up here on the stage has ever been confused with Jesus. Because the contrast is pretty big. Because none of us is perfect. But the great thing is, with God, anything is possible. We have some core strategies. There are four of them. Here they are on the screen. Number one, we, we provide as a church dynamic large group gatherings. That's what this is. Okay? We want to make them inspirational. We want to make them informational. We want to make them as life-changing as they can be. And we hope this morning that you encounter God while you're here, right here. We have relational small groups. Because, you know, the cool thing is, in this setting, we can learn a lot about God. 
and we can be inspired. But our second purpose in life is partnering with others. It's really hard to partner with other people in this setting. But you get in a small group and it's really natural. That's why that's one of our core strategies. Another one is next generation investment. It is the design of Jesus that faith in him would be passed from generation to generation. So we make a big investment in the coming generation. And last of all, community engagement. It's when we actually get out in the community that we get to engage with the de-churched in our community and the unchurched in our community, and we get to serve everyone. Sneak peek. In January, we are going to launch a whole new division in our church. Not division, that's a bad word, right? (laughs) Department, how's that? That's better. We're going to launch a whole new department in our church called Impact. And it's all about community engagement. I can't wait for us to break that out for all of us. It's going to be phenomenal. These are things that God says to his organized church that you need to be providing so that this provides the context in which people can come and experience new life and thrive. Now, Jesus came to this earth and he gave his life so that you and I could experience all of that. And in our church, one of the ways we keep that front and center is through communion. So the worship band is going to lead us into communion right now. As great as all those things are we just looked at, and as great and wonderful as communion is in helping us keeping, to keep Jesus front and center, none of those things actually affect our life until we personally engage. And so there's a whole part of this. This is church-supplied But these things require personal engagement in the way of Jesus, which is why he continually said, follow me. He didn't just say, go to church. He didn't just say, get in a small group. He said, follow me. There's this personal engagement. And in our church, that personal engagement is basically built around three things, gather groups and give back. Would you read those out loud with me? Let's say them together. Ready? Gather groups and give back. You can remember that, right? If we will personally engage in those three things, we give God the opportunity and availability in our life to actually begin to shape us. In the next three weeks, we're actually going to talk about those things. So I'm not going to talk about them right now. But I do want to close by reading a passage of Scripture written by a different apostle. The ones we read earlier were written by the Apostle Paul. This is written by the Apostle Peter. And I want you to see how beautifully he describes what life is like as we learn to personally engage, to walk with God, 
to partner with those around us, to manage the world that God gives us, and to do all of that in the context of the kingdom of Jesus. Here's how Peter describes it. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you. Don't you love that picture? Yeah, wherever that waterfall is, I want to stand in it. So it just cascades over me. As you live in the rich knowledge, by the way, I want you to pay attention as I read these massive, descriptive, colorful words that Peter uses. The, con- the concept of, of rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everything, that's a big word, inclusive. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by God's divine power. Is, is that crazy wonderful? Everything. He goes on to say, for all of this was, what's the next word? Lavished. I love that. It was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing all the rules. Of knowing what? Of knowing him. Walking with God, knowing him. Who has called us by what? By name. I'll just stop there for a minute. You came to church today, and I'm so glad you did. But did you know, as you're sitting here, God is calling your name. As I stand here, God is saying in the background, Ron, I'm calling you by name. You're my kid. I've got a life for you. I'm inviting you into it. He's called us by name and invited us to come to him. Not not just worship him, not just obey him, but to what? Come to him. Through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. That's Jesus. We think Jesus was a glorious manifestation of God's goodness? Perfect, right? He goes on to say, as a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises. That's a big word, isn't it? Rich and colorful that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature. As another translator puts it, we can partake of God's divine nature. I'm learning this. The longer I walk with Jesus, the less I am like me and the more I am becoming like him. Wow, he's giving away his righteousness and he's allowing me to participate in it. He goes on to finish this. We can have partnership in this divine nature 
by which you have escaped the corrupt desires. Remember the worldwide problem called sin that was messing everything up? It's as we learn to walk with God that he enables us to begin to step out of that mess and begin to live in wholeness and the corrupt desires that are in the world. It's a great thing to belong to a local church. It's a great thing when the local church has Jesus at the very center. And it's a great thing when the local church invites us and says, here's the mission that God has given us. Here's the heartbeat of our church. Here are the strategies he's guided us to actually walk out in real life. And here are the ways you can personally engage with it. And I just want to say to you, as your pastor, it's such a blessing to be able to invite you to jump in. And to say, I want to walk that path because I believe that God wants all of us, including me, to thrive in this life. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.